Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello again, thanks for stopping by. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Me and my pals here are watching all the WrestleManias in reverse and then chatting about them. We call our little stable Parts Unknown and we're very pleased you've chosen to join us in it. We're getting close to wrapping up our WrestleMania odyssey and this week we're going to be looking at two manias in one show. Why? Don't know really. Producer Ben decreed it and he's our Vince McMahon so we do what he asks lest he utters the words You're fired! It makes sense to bundle these two events into one, given they both took place at Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. The venue was owned by some American tycoon by the name of Donald. These days, you might know him better as the guy who takes the stunner worse than Linda McMahon. He also dabbles in politics. Logic dictates we start with WrestleMania 5. The show went down on April 2nd, 1989 and was subtitled The Mega Powers Explode. As the main event saw once friends, now foes, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage square off. We'll get to that soon enough, but first, let me introduce my panel. First, a couple of brain busters. From the world of writing and reporting and sport and that, it's Carrie Dunn. Hello. Next, an avocado toast munching, skinny jean wearing, quite frankly beautiful man, it's Carl Anker. Hey everyone. And last and very much least, just when he thought he was out, we pulled him back in. Our very own Red Rooster. When he's not breaking news, he's espousing views from Sky Sports. It's Anton Tolui. I want Carl's intro. <laughs> <laughs> On with the show then. Jesse Ventura was alongside Gorilla Monsoon for commentary. Gorilla told us to get ready for some of the most exciting several hours of wrestling you've ever seen. Somewhat vaguely. Rockin' Robin, the women's champ, butchered America the Beautiful and looked terrified whilst doing so. As we usually do, we're going to start at the end. Hulk Hogan defeated Randy Savage to win the WWF heavyweight title. Savage had been champ for a year after winning the belt at Mania 4. Um, who would like to explain how the Mega Powers came to explode? Don't look or touch or insinuate you have anything more than a cordial relationship with Miss Elizabeth. Otherwise, Randy Savage would try and beat you up. She but. couldn't pick a side here. She was neutral, wasn't she? Because yes. she was kind of managing... Hogan as well as being so with Savage. The Mega Powers, uh, Randy Savage was uh, Hogan's erstwhile nemesis, quasi we're in the same area in real life Savage is becoming more popular than Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan goes hey, shouldn't we team up instead? Uh, and during Savage's 371 day reign as uh, WWF champion um there's a lot of Hogan related. Look how cool my friend is. Look how cool my friend is. Look at him holding my title. Look at him holding my title. Savage eventually starts going, this is weird. Why are you younger brothering me? Why Why are you younger brothering me? Um, there's a very famous match, tag team match, where they are the mega powers against wrestlers whose name escapes me. Uh, Miss Elizabeth takes a bump. Uh, Hulk Hogan leaves the match, picks up Miss Elizabeth, tries to take her backstage for medical assistance. Savage, seeing this, is angered beyond belief, attacks Hulk Hogan, and then when uh, Miss Elizabeth is on a gurney um, backstage, Hulk Hogan's going, just, just talk, just talk to him, just talk to him. And Savage basically goes, if you want this title, 
stop pretending that you're my friend. We can do this one on one, and then attacks Hulk Hogan, and then the feud is born. Carrie, playing into what Carl's saying there about about because Hogan being Hogan, as Ventura pointed out, <laughs> Savage Savage has to come out first. <laughs> This is literally my favourite bit of the entire match. He goes, I don't understand why the champ's in the ring first. Because it's Hulk Hogan who isn't the champ. Yeah, that was hilarious. It just encapsulates everything that is bad and wrong about uh, Hogan's level of control over booking. Uh, Axel, can I just shock you? Please. I really liked this match. I thought it was good fun and I enjoyed it. Did you? Nope. I'm feeling very uncomfortable by the fact that <laughs> Randy Savage threatened Miss Elizabeth with a fist to the face, actually put his fist in her face. This feud is believable because basically Hogan's your hero, but you also would expect him to shag your partner. That's basically what this feud is about. He did. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's essentially what this feud... And even the, even, so even the millions and millions of Hulkamaniacs, he was you know, the most popular thing in wrestling probably ever they still knew he would probably shag he'd probably go and you know shag your wife or or shag whoever he wanted to like that's just that's basically what this feud is about and it plays it's just lots of rake to the eyes lots of like the count all of a sudden just stops when you're in the match because you know we don't because we need to get to the finish we need and yeah just and it all just yeah, it was a really long, it was a really long match i just yeah i i don't like i didn't particularly like the feud and I don't particularly like the match, I'm sorry. Which I know is, well, a lot of people will probably disagree with me, so I apologise. Carly, tell you team Matt or team Axel? I'm team Matt. Um, with you to the very end, Mr. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 this is very, very much a Macho Man has scripted this. So it's, again, it's got all the Macho Man hallmarks. It's got the outstretched arms, the pointing, the next segment. Um... Yeah, one thing I do like about Macho Man is he's not afraid to make himself look vulnerable. He takes a lot of offense when he fights someone. He gets hit by a lot of spears, falls down after one clothesline. He, he'll take a beating. He'll eat a potato when he's, he's in a wrestling match because he, that's how the story needs to be told. Um, and I understand where you're coming from, Axel, in that the moment where he spots Miss Elizabeth and tells Miss Elizabeth, get out, get out right now, that is very uncomfortable with what we know in real life. But also, Miss Elizabeth talks like a victim throughout the whole thing. I'm supporting both men and she's... like I don't know whether she was clearly... She was not very good at promos anyway. But there's almost a fear behind the way she's talking that is uncomfortable. That is, you know, at some point, one of these guys is going to mistreat me. And I... One guy's mistreating me right now. God knows what's going to happen in the future. I need someone to help me because I'm an invulnerable spectre. That's no. effectively what this whole feud is. Regardless of what's going in the ring, and then what happens in the ring and the match just amplifies that, in my opinion. So I, yeah, okay, fine. All right, I'm looking at it now. I'm, you know, I'm looking at it as a child. I'm looking at it as a as just a as a wrestling fan in the late '80s. But ultimately, that's what this feud is about. I disagree. And look, because of what we know about Randy Savage, the man, and and Randy Savage, the husband. It is very uncomfortable when he puts the fist in Miss Elizabeth's face. But this feud is, and um, you know, I'd say every good feud is about brothers or disillusion of friendships. Or what this feud is, Randy Savage going, "Stop treating me like a younger brother. I am better than you, and I'm just gonna. I have to beat it's you not, this way." Saying, it is. It's not. It's it's saying, "Stop trying to shag my wife." No, this feud is very much you are trying to take everything I want. You're trying to take everything I've earned. You're trying to take my title, which I've earned. You're trying to take my wife, which I've earned. And I will fight tooth and nail to protect His everything I've got. His dick's involved. His dick's involved. That's all... Look at the size. Look at the size of him. This is how men 
scrap over the final resources of what they got. This is a pub fight. Why are you looking at my missus? I'm going to knock you out. Yeah, but it's not, so it's not about the belt. It's about why are you looking at my missus? Why are you looking at my missus? Why are you looking at my belt all the time? This is this is my thing. I've earned this. Go away or I'll knock you out. Carry a lively debate between uh, the other two. Uh, throw in your two pence. <laughs> that's just how men fight. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing about Miss Elizabeth here is that I, I think you're both right in that she's treated as a trophy and she has so little agency in this feud. She's just doing what she's told to do all the time. Um, she tries to present herself, quite interestingly, as someone who's neutral. So she's trying to be professional, but she can't quite do it. And you're right that she's not a good talker. But I think she's actually a pretty decent actress when she's given something to work with. She's not talking. So you see kind of her concern about Savage, and you see like... Oh, I don't want you to throw him into into the exposed turnbuckle, that kind of thing. But she is kind of also a victim in that she's like being told what to do by these men all the time. And I think it's interesting. We didn't mention it last week. We should have done. When she has her mania moment talking to that interviewer lady, Rona, whatever her name was, she's actually quite convincing. She's kind of, she's quite timid, but she delivers her lines in a kind of very... I guess neutral, again, is the way she says. She's not a kind of amped up wrestling figure. She's just a person. She's not a wrestling character. And I think that's what's kind of interesting with the Miss Elizabeth dynamic, because you can really believe that that is what they're fighting over. It's her. But what do we know about her? All we know about her, really, is how pretty she is and the success that people in her stable have. So... Yeah, the Miss Elizabeth thing is interesting for me. And she was convincing when we saw her in the crowd at Mania 8 as well, wasn't she? Mm. When she was just looking on watching. So you're right, she stands out because she's not a larger-than-life character. She's not a wrestling character. It's just her, I think. And I think that's what kind of makes it real. And I think that's what makes it kind of sad to watch now. And again, Carl's right. You're kind of coming at it with the dynamic of what we know about her marriage to Savage and what happened to her in the end when she was living with Lex Luger. It's, yeah, it's it's a really sad story. And I think we're both, I think we're all kind of bringing that to our interpretation of what we're seeing here. That's true. I, I'm, I can't disagree. I'm not actually really disagreeing with Carl to, to much of a point. But at the same time, a lot of, and we said last week about a lot of Gorilla Monsoon's commentary is rationalising and justifying the acts of the babyfaces. Everybody deserves what they get if it's done by a good guy. Whereas here, like no one no one's sticking up for the for the vulnerable person in this whatsoever. And she's going from one shitty situation to another shitty situation. And it's I it, I just don't understand there's such a there's such a moralistic narrative a lot of the time in these wrestling feuds, especially back then when it was when it was kind of a lot more simple. There was it was a lot more black and white sort of storylines. And yet here, the one person you should have sympathy for is the one person you're not allowed to or you're not told to. And that, that for me, regardless of what happens in the ring, and actually, like I said, what happens in the ring kind of amplifies, I think, my opinion, that this isn't a good match and it's not a good feud. All right, we'll move on now on to the, uh, the next match I want to talk about, the Brain Busters versus Strike Force. Strike Force, Rick Martel and Tito Santana. The Brain Busters, better known as part of the Four Horsemen in WCW, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. They joined the Fed from Jim Crockett Promotions, the pre-WCW WCW, just before Survivor Series 1998. They go on to be the team who finally ended Demolition's record 478-day tag title reign. It's kind of weird, Carl, to see these two in the WWF yeah. was my big takeaway from this. Yeah, I was not expecting this. Um, it, it, it It is a real contrast of WWF 
and NWA. So you've got, you know, strike force of, hey, we're plucky, we've got mullets, aren't we great? Look, we've got six packs and aren't we great? And you've got brain buster going, we've got beer guts and we will knock the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of pre-revival revival, these two. Yeah, I mean, so Scott Dawson is on Instagram all the time joking about how Arnold Anderson is probably his dad because the similarities are quite striking. He's like, mum, own up, come on. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I love NWA tag team wrestling. I like wrestling. I like Arn Anderson. Um, there's a bit where Mr. Santana is about to basically get a t- get a takedown on Arn Anderson. And Arn Anderson is stood there. He's wobbling. He looks left. He looks right, trying to get a rope. And he can't, so he just falls over. And that's proper, just tiny, little, subtle, southern-style wrestling that you don't get in WWE. I I really enjoy this match. I also would like to apologize because I said Santana was rubbish when I saw him as a bullfighter in WrestleMania 9, where actually he's, he's a really good steady hand. He reminds me a lot of um, AJ Styles. In a, in a sort of... you can ex- you could I could see Tito Santana at, at the top, and I could see him on the bottom, and he's sort of... Wherever he is, you could you could see him as a mid-cardie, you could see him opening a show, you could see him at the top because you get a good match. Like, I just... He's just a good hand who was always, you know, always sort of a good guy. And I know sort of Stars have done various stuff before we got to WWE, but and I completely forgot about the Rainbusters finisher, the spike pile driver. Oh yeah, whoa! Just out of nowhere, this is a, this is a good tag team match, and then all of a sudden, just such an emphatic finish. Wow, uh, it was like excellent finish to a match. So which you do not say very often. And and in the end, uh, well, Martel walks out kind of midway through the match, and then he does a sort of lame interview trying to justify his actions. They obviously had big plans for him, but maybe didn't follow through on them to the extent that they were originally thinking they would. Yeah, well, it's like we were saying before, and you know, if there's if there's a decent tag team, and they're always this kind of thought that one is going to break away and be the breakout star, and that was clearly the plan there. But to what made me laugh here on commentary than saying these guys were close as brothers. WWE has always hated men being friends and it hates brothers getting on particularly. And that's kind of encapsulating it, I think. He hadn't found his arrogance yet, had he? That's, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. So. Now, like Matt Riddle at TakeOver War Games, this next bit of chat was not on our format. But Axel, you wanted to pour some love figuratively over Rick Rude. Do that now and tell us about his match with Ultimate Warrior and why you, you were such a big fan of the ravishing one. Rick Rude, who looks like a mix between Rusev and the Scouse character from Harry Anfield, and yet he's still <laughs> disgustingly sexy. I mean, he is what a man. Like The whole reveal thing i'm in i'm captivated um it's cliched it's silly and yet i'm there going wow what a guy really good in the ring and this was the this is we see velveteen dream now with the incredible rick rude s tights he comes to the ring against warrior wearing the intercontinental championship on his tights are you telling me that is not just ridiculously cool and it's, it's found weird. a member of degeneration x of yeah exactly and that's what i remember rick rude as part, yeah, from this kind of quiet man who you know sort of was the sort of the, the quiet brains effectively behind the, the insurance policy, wasn't he? And then you just see this guy, you're just like, whoa, right? This who who is this? And then, never mind the model. Th- who's this guy? This is a beautiful man in great physique. Well, we know why, but in great physique and just yeah, just just flashy and cool. And yeah, exactly the way he ran his hands up his body and flicked at the end. Oh, excellent and. Yeah, it was, and it was such a. I mean, this match with with Warrior was really weird because Warrior attacks him with cartoon strengths. So it was a real mix of styles, 
as well. And there was a kick out of you know, kick out of a pile driver in this kind of. It was, a, it was a weird, weird match, and I just felt that watching this, if I'd have watched this when I was, you know. Yeah, early teens or you know i'd have just i'd have just been obsessed and captivated by this guy and i never quite understood why he wasn't the guy while we're on this match um the ultimate warrior it's weird how you can be sort of really healthy looking is completely the wrong way to describe it but impressive physique looking and yet get gassed running to the ring which takes about <laughs> 15 seconds um he's not he didn't have very good cardio no. fitness. He was he was not an athlete in, in the condition. What in the, was in he? A, <laughs> uh, he was a, he was a body. Um, so if you watch the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, the amazing WWE produced documentary, which is basically the Ultimate Warrior was terrible. Um, Bobby Heenan says some very scathing words about him. Uh, he basically describes him as just a body. He said he was doing fine, fighting scrubs, has a match with Hercules, which we'll get to at Mania Four that doesn't work because they're both two bodies that don't know how to do anything. And it, it was Rick Rude. Heenan says Rick Rude was the person that taught him to slow things down, to to appreciate, try and appreciate work rate and, and limb damage and whatnot. And and Rick Rude's matches with Ultimate Warrior are the best Ultimate Warrior matches. Rick Rude got the most out of him and Randy Savage got the most out of him because they're both two old heads who go, whoa, slow it down. I've hit your leg here. So now try and hop a little bit don't speed through this um yeah rick rude's amazing and and i'll be controversial here i prefer him without his long hair when he goes short hair and he just has the mustache he's even better for me but rude wins this match i mean, that's that's important as well because at least warrior lost which we can all agree <laughs> and Heenan gets involved so you know the two warrior lost has, he has an incredibly dangerous botch after a backbreaker so he goes for a backbreaker then tries to put rude down and just sort of throws him into the corner and rude just get, hits his side there which, if, when you know Rick Rude's career was ended by breaking his neck in WCW, you're going, oh, oh God, what's going on? Like, yeah, Ultimate Warrior is really bad. I think I'm right in saying that in commentary for this match, they actually talk about Warrior basically being just a body because they're comparing him to Rick Rude. And I th- is it Jesse who just says, yeah, but it's not just about being a body, you need a face as well. Uh... <laughs> but, I mean, Jesse's and Jesse is loving the fact that Rude wins and uh, you can tell even between the storylines that you know, the locker room knew that this went as it should have done. There was a bit of justice here. Uh, and the fact that the crowd started trying weasel in the middle so Heenan got his little bit as well. Yes, I really like this match. I know you didn't want to talk about it too much, but I really like this match. Okay, well, we've spoken about it. The next match we're going to talk about is the Bushwhackers versus the Rougeaus. Um, we, we briefly touched on the Bushwhackers last week. Uh, apart from Carl, because he's disgustingly young... I'm guessing that when we all first got into wrestling, the Bushwhackers were kind of a big part of that. Carrie, can you can you explain to some of our Carl-aged and younger listeners who they were and what they did? No, actually, the Bushwhackers were before my time. I never I never watched them. Um, this is my first kind of introduction to Bushwhackers going um going through the WrestleManias now. Damn, I just feel so old. They were basically <laughs> two Kiwis who uh, were not sound of mind. Uh, they won this match and celebrated it by licking each other's heads, as well as that of poor Sean Mooney. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they licked him good <laughs> at the end of the match. <laughs> really there was a lot of saliva. Sean Mooney, somebody who um, is around about this time in, in kind of the Todd Pettingill role, I guess we could call it. He had a tough night here, bless him. Um, <laughs> but this was a this is a dreadful match, it wasn't was it? Terrible. 
terrible match. I mean, Jimmy Hart gets hit early on, so at least something happened. I mean, um, the Rougeos had Fabulo written on their pants, which I thought was a nice, nice touch. <laughs> Quite class. Other than that, I mean, this is this is awful for me. The most interesting part of this match was the commentary because uh, and I find this absolutely fascinating because Gorilla Monsoon's basically saying because the Rougeos were built from being from Memphis, even though they're obviously they weren't. Um, and Monsoon's basically saying these guys don't belong here. They're not American. And Ventura is making these really salient points about immigration, saying, I can't believe you're, 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 you're a second generation sort of immigrant. Um, you know, and Grilling Monsoon saying, we've already got the tired and the poor over here. And Ventura just makes a point about the Statue of Liberty. Liberty and it just, like, just weird social commentary going on during this terrible match where Ventura's right and Monsoon's wrong. And utterly bizarre and yet I found that absolutely fascinating and also remember where this Wrestlemania was being yeah. held yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and eye-bleedingly ironic and that's Jesse Ventura of Russia Today <laughs> yep. um, talking about that uh, Carl have you got anything to say about this match uh, I've legitimately seen better matches in gyms today in front of like 20 people <laughs> this is bad I, lo- I looked up what NWA was doing in 1989 it was Ric Flair versus Steamboat the same year just going wow <laughs> WWF never cared about in-ring product, did they? Goodness. Speaking of which, there was a whole load of shenanigans on this show, which would be remiss of us not to mention. First off, we got arguably the worst Piper's Pit in history. Brother Love started it. Bruce Pritchard, don't know what happened to him. Some bloke smoking a fag called Martin Downey Jr. A trashy talk show host came out and threw fags and blue smoke in Piper's face until Piper put it out with a fire extinguisher in the face. Um, Axler's JR might say, what the hell? I mean, it's just terrible, isn't it? And it lasts for so long. Might be one of the worst pieces of... It's up there with um, Bailey, This Is Your Life, uh, as one of the worst pieces in recent memory, Bobby Lashley's sisters, all that kind of stuff. I think that's all fair. But it's it's weird how it's got so many elements that are terrible. So you've obviously got, <laughs> you've obviously got the chat show host just constantly smoking cigarettes. And but blowing. he's not smoking them right. I no. used to smoke. You, you, you take it down, let it destroy your lungs a bit, and then blow it out. You don't just blow it out like a 12 year old he takes his socks off part way through as well <laughs> but you've got you say so you've got you've got fat boy jokes you know you fat boy belly like that you've got a terrible your mum joke yep you've got loads of homophobia loads which, of homophobia you've um got, downey that? jr's brother was gay yeah um so that was particularly i think that was meant to be a personal barb which was real gross well his, his brother had AIDS, didn't he and yeah. then came out on uh sort of talked about this on, i think on his on his talk show um you've got Brother Love and, you know, being stripped down to his pants, what's under your kilt. And then it's wrestling. Everyone wears pants. What's, why is he running off? I mean, this is, I love it. One, you can hit quite audibly here at one point. The one guy in the crowd just shouts, this is stupid. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that, whoever that guy is, he's my hero. It's, I mean, there was, oh, sorry. There was, there was one, uh, horrible trans joke as well. It's, I mean, it's awful, isn't it? And then finally, there's a fire extinguisher in the face. Just, just, should have just done that at the beginning. Oh, it's bad. Uh, the JPRI didn't end there, that, end there, though. We got footage of the pre-mania 5K run. I'm not making this up. Which Mr. Fuji competed in his tux and bowler hat. I'm still not making this up. Then came the mini run DMC gig. Seriously, I'm not making this up. Gorilla said... <laughs> Gorilla didn't like it. He said, a little bit of that went a long way for me. What, what did you think of it? Uh, I just pointed out the fact the crowd, the, the crowd is so much older and more male-smelling. 
um, in WrestleMania Five than it is in any other WrestleMania. So just imagine Donald Trump looking at Randy MC going, "What? What? 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 What is this?" I love that. So early on, they cut. They have one crowd shot, and that's early on when they cut to a young black woman sort of dancing along. Not one crowd shot. After that, do they go to during the whole Run DMC thing? Because there's clearly no one else knows what the hell is going on. and Or I presume they're just quite angry. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Fuji's 5K, by the way, when he crosses the finish line, 19 minutes 20 on the clock. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we not talking about that? <laughs> Gary, what did you make of all this nonsense? Well, I, I think the thing with Fuji, he didn't actually run it, yeah, did no, he? He didn't really run it. it. They were pretending. But but they could have at least said, whoa, and you did it how how quick? <laughs> well, the, then that would involve talking to him, and they don't do, yeah. do talking to Mr. Fuji. They just do racist jokes. Um, no, it was all. this is all terrible. Um, some of the in-ring action in this WrestleMania was terrible. All of the out-of-ring stuff was terrible. Grueling 5K, though. <laughs> oh, I love the idea of 5K, 5K being the ultimate challenge as well. <laughs> uh, there were 14 matches on this show. We've neither the time nor inclination to run through them all in detail, but here's what happened. The Twin Towers, Akeem and Big Boss Man defeated the Rockers. Brutus Beefcake and Ted DiBiase ended in a double countout. Demolition beat the Powers of Pain. Dino Bravo beat Ronnie Garvin. Jake Roberts went over Andre the Giant by DQ. The Hart Foundation beat Greg Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. Bad News Brown and Jim Duggan ended in a double DQ. The Red Rooster defeated Bobby Heenan. Anyone want to say anything on any of those? It's lasted 31 seconds. <laughs> uh, Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, now an NXT trainer. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's about all we've got to say about that. <laughs> uh, the last match I want to discuss on this show saw Mr. Perfect defeat the Blue Blazer, Carrie, oh. the BB, a.k.a. Uh, a.k.a. Owen Hart. This was really sad watching this. I was just sitting there thinking, I miss both of you. You both went far too young. And yeah, this should have been a Mania main event at some point. Never was. Carl, I opined on our WhatsApp group that Perfect is the biggest in-ring disappointment of our Mania series. You've got an explanation as to why. He's he's more for television. So his strength is bumping and, and making your opponent great, which looks great week to week to week. Basically, when you wrestle Mr. Perfect, you matter because Mr. Perfect will make you look good, which is great if you, you're watching main event or Tuesday Night Titans and whatnot, and less effective than when you're watching a big... 25 minute blow off where you have to look amazing yourself but did he not have good King of the Ring and SummerSlam matches it feels like it's a kind of mania specific thing that he, he did used. because Wrestlemania is, in itself is a very different product to SummerSlam and King of the, and King of the Ring um, you know a lot of Hulk Hogan stuff works because you're going to Wrestlemania expecting Wrestlemania things to happen which is why Hulk Hogan's acting is just slightly hokey corny acting works a lot better at Wrestlemania as composed to SummerSlam. This is why SummerSlam happens in New York for the last three years, because they know what sort of crowd is going to come. Um, yeah, this match made me sad because it's Owen Hart in Blue Blazer, which is the form that brought about his demise. Um, Jesse Ventura piping up from minute one saying this is going to be a workhorse classic is something. Uh, there's like a reverse hip lock and there's some great standing drop kicks. It's a really good 10-15 minute match that would be, yeah, cool. If your cruiserweight's on 205 Live, that's a nice opening match. That, yeah, it's just, it's hard to watch because they're two people you quite liked who didn't quite get the dues they had because Mr. Perfect with injuries and uh, Owen Hart with Michaels and Vince related shenanigans and unfortunately he's on demise. Kind of match that sticks out like a sore thumb on this show, but it is 
sort of standard fair TV match that you'd get today just shows how far the actual in-ring product has come, I guess. Oh, completely. I mean, mate, watching the recent product after watching these has made me really appreciate how far wrestling has come. Um, Mr. Perfect, it was great. And obviously we all love his, the vignettes and that kind of thing. But the Perfect Plex was a bit rubbish. As a finisher, it's a good move. As a finisher, not for me. All right, other than a no-holds-barred trailer, that was pretty much that. Before we travel back in time a year, WrestleMania moments, please. Carrie, you can go first. Oh, um, Rockin' Robin's fantastic performance, I think, <laughs> at the start of the show. It was something that will live with me forever. Yeah, that's mine too, Carl. I might not have one. This wasn't a great WrestleMania. It's, it's probably um, Bobby Heenan getting squashed in 31 seconds because you don't get to see Bobby Heenan wrestle much. Uh, and even when... When Bobby Heaton wants to make someone look good, he makes someone look good, and that includes him getting squashed. And Tom? As someone that's a bit of a film and cinema prick and likes sort of, you know, subtle nuance, I can't believe I haven't seen No Holds Barred. And it was the, it was when <laughs> I saw the trailer and the promo, I was like, this happened? And I, I, I haven't sucked it into my eyes? What's happened? So, <laughs> Zeus I, did appear in uh, there was, WWE. There was, a, there was a No Holds Barred pay-per-view. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah I, I need to go back and watch that film. Okay, we'll take a breather there. After a word from our sponsor, we'll be back in Atlantic City. Our friends at Beer52 are such marks for you out there in the parts unknown universe that they want to give you some free beer, and not just any beer, craft beer, and not just any craft beer, a case of craft beer for free. Beer52 is the largest craft beer club on the planet. They search out exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. Take, for example, their Great British Road Trip selection, featuring amazing brews like Fierce's Moose 4.5% Chocolate Milk Stout. Ooh, yeah. Still can't do the accent, sorry. The Easy Peeler Citrus Session IPA from London's 4Pure. Believe that. And Black Isle's Golden Eye 7% West Coast Style IPA. Give me a hell yeah. If that sounds like your type of gimmick, sign up now at beer52.com slash partsunknown and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks and Beer52's award-winning magazine, Ferment. All you have to do is pay $2.95 for delivery. And if you decide that after this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch, no heel turn, no stips, you can leave Beer52 at any time. Just head to beer52.com slash partsunknown and enter the offer code partsunknown to claim your free case today. Oh yeah! Welcome back to Parts Unknown. We're at the stage here where I ask you kindly to rate, review, share and subscribe. If you're new to the show, do check out our archive. We've started with Mania 34 and worked our way back. It's a decent little back catalogue we've built up. I think you'll enjoy it. To WrestleMania 4 then. Again, we're at Trump Plaza. Interestingly, this show actually made more money at the gate than Mania 3, despite drawing 70,000 fans fewer. High ticket prices meant that that was the case. We also got a similar situation to WrestleMania 9, whereby the casino attached to the venue comp tickets for some of its high rollers, the result being a flat crowd for most part. The result being a flat crowd for the most part. Crockett Promotions countered this event by showing Clash of Champions for free on TBS the same day that the show headlined by the lauded Flair vs Sting match. 
The WWF went with a one-night tournament to crown the new heavyweight champ. This after Andre the Giant had won the title from Hogan in a screwjob finish, only to sell the belt to the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. On-screen president Jack Tunney got involved, declared the title vacant, and announced the tournament at Mania to determine a new champ. Hogan and Andre got a bye to the quarterfinals because it was their title feud which had led to the tournament. Um, <laughs> laughter ensues across the studio... I'm going to ask the question anyway, Carrie. What did we think of the one-night tournament format? Um, Let me preface this by saying that I love a tournament. It's great. I don't think they quite knew what they were doing. So everyone basically has buys all over the place. There's so many kind of count-out finishes and stuff. So you get all these people just having buys through to different rounds. You've got Andre and Hogan coming at a different stage from everybody else. Lots of really, really short matches. And it's, it's just basically... a pretext to get to the main event that they'd intended all along obviously but it's so strange and when you've got a flat crowd anyway everyone just thinking what the hell is going on the one thing that i really love about this tournament is they treat one man gang as if his last name was actually gang first name one man (laughs) and on the little board i think that's really funny Um, this is one man gang here and not what followed we'll get to that we'll get to that uh Carlos, I tried to engage with you on social media today about your opinion on this, but um, you didn't deem fit to reply, as Alexa Bliss would say, rude. Um, You don't like this tournament and trash the tournament format, I will counter you with Survivor Series 1998 Deadly Game. They can do it, but they didn't do it here. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I'm also a big fan of tournaments. I think it's a fantastic format. I love the G1. I asked earlier in my WrestleMania rewatches why we don't have more tournaments. Um, to which a very knowledgeable wrestling fan told me it f- affects pay-per-view buy rates because you don't know what the main event is, so it's a lot harder to sell. Uh, and I imagine if you had sold WrestleMania 4 as it's Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase, which was is the final, I imagine the buy rate would have... They would have made less money than WrestleMania 3. Um, but yeah, this is a 14-man tournament. Um, some matches end in a draw, which means both men are eliminated. <laughs> They're at least, yeah, yeah, it, it's all over the place. Matches are too short. So the, the joy of tournaments are you get characters that would never interact, meet each other for the first time, and you can get brand new feuds pop up, and you can have friends face other friends, and that's the joy. You get none of that here. It's just punch, punch, kick, you're next, punch, punch, kick. There's a little bit from Gorilla talking about how um, certain characters are tired as they go into their second or third match, which is a real thing if, you know... I'm going to talk about Tarquin and Cordelia again. Um, they say when you do do tournament wrestling, you do get worried because your second or third match, you, you just run out of ideas, really. Um, Tarquin and Cordelia signed up to Beer 52 via Parts Unknown because I feel like we've given them so much airtime that they ought to just, just to repay the compliment. Should, I'm looking forward to the tag match with Tarquin and Cordelia versus the Carl Anchor and his brother. brother. <laughs> the <Anchor> yeah. Brothers, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Weird tournament, isn't it? It is weird, but Anton, should we give him some credit for trying something a bit different? or and, and not giving us the same main event we had the year before, which was Andre and Hulk, which was all over the posters for you know for WrestleMania 4 and probably the big seller. So yeah, I, I'll give him credit for that. And fair play. like you know, Why not try something different? You know, And why not give everybody a bit of spotlight, everybody technically a title opportunity? Yeah, it was terribly executed, but it was. A, I think it was a nice idea. In terms of the, so sorry, no. sorry, I was gonna say you say it's not. It's not Andre and Hulk in the main event, but essentially it is, isn't it? There's well, n- yes. nothing that's happening in the ring is actually gonna have any 
bearing on how this mania is remembered. It's about Andre and Hulk on the outside. And this show is three and a half plus hours long again, isn't it? So at least you don't have to wait until right at the end for the match. So at least you get that out of the way. Carl, you mentioned that the, the final saw Randy Savage against Ted DiBiase. Kind of shades of Daniel Bryan at 30 here in that they... Uh, the commentators, again, it's Monsoon and Ventura, push the fact that Savage has, has had to get through three matches to get to this point. DBRC breezes past Duggan in a couple of minutes and Don Morocco, then he gets a bye. So they're kind of stacking the deck against the babyface classic WWF slash E stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they really... Which, which annoys me about the finish. Because this tournament should be the coronation of Randy Savage. This should be... After so many years, the Savage era has begun. After blah, 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 the Odyssey is over. He's reached the gold. And yet, it's 20... So, if you, when you watch, if you watch this on the network, the, the ticker to begin this match is shows them things should be 20 minutes long. It's only seven minutes in-ring action because there's so much talking and lead-up and hype and spectacle. And then you get to the match. And it's Savage and DiBiase. These are two guys that can go. You've got Savage, the meticulous... Producer and the steady ring hand of DiBiase, and it doesn't catch fire whatsoever. And, and yeah, you've got this really cool thing with with Andre the Giant in DiBiase's corner. And Andre, he's a really good manager. He twice grabs Savage's leg, and it's so soft. I don't see it until Savage falls over, which you know he's pretty sneaky for a big guy. Um, but the end is Savage realizing he can't overcome Andre. And DiBiase whispers something in Miss Elizabeth's ear. I'm going, oh, hang on, what's going to happen here? Oh, it's Hulk Hogan. Probably. <laughs> and then, and then Hulk Hogan hits DiBiase in the back with a steel chair, and that's how Savage wins. And I was just like, oh, right, Savage. This, this is why WrestleMania Five so much more interesting because this is my, this is my whole thing about the Mega Powers is this is Hulk Hogan treating Savage like a younger brother, and it shouldn't. Savage should be good enough to do this on his own, and he just continuously belittled and chast, you know, made to look like an idiot by Hulk Hogan. But do you not think that's kind of part of the reason it never catches fire? Do you not just see Hulk Hogan in, in the back saying, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that, when they're trying to work out their match? Because it's not about them, it's about him. Yeah, that's probably it. it Hulk Hogan's relentless inability to... Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go deeper on the match, but I want to talk about um, before because we get this gaggle of celebrities in there. You mentioned, Carl, that it, it's only actually seven minutes because of all the bells and whistles. So we've got Donald Trump, Bob Uecker, Robin Leach and Vanna White. Um, it, big moment for regular ring announcer Howard Finkel, who had, rumour has it, made the change from a common thief to get up close and personal with Robin Leach. Um, <laughs> what, what did all these celebrities do? Throughout the night, they were kind of... Vanna White was somebody I wasn't really aware of, and then it turns out she's in Wheel of Fortune. Vanna uh, White was the only one I actually knew. Right. But what interested me most was that the Wheel of Fortune music in America is the same as our yeah. Wheel of Fortune music, so that was really nice. <laughs> but yeah, that that man... Bob Uecker? Yes, that so, man. He's terrifying. Something to do with baseball. Yes. <laughs> so he's basically stalking poor Vanna White all around <laughs> this entire arena. He's not NYPD Blue, is he? He's also not very good at stalking. No. And he's like, that's, where, that's where you do your interviews, mate. Why can you not... Like, <laughs> Wait. Just watch her tell you, see where she is. You're, I mean, you're, ter- you're terrible at that as well. 
So Trump is kind of front row shaking hands, as we said, it's his his building. Bob Uecker, in fairness to him, iconic WrestleMania moment where he's getting choked out by Andre. Um, he's hanging around as well for some reason. Robin Leach was the host of Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, so that meant that he was there. Um, yeah, but it was all bells and whistles to get to Hogan. And, and, you know, that's the real quiz, isn't it? It's just Hogan is is the thing here, even though Randy Savage goes to all the effort yeah. of four times he comes out, wears a different outfit every time, as does Elizabeth, like real quality attention to detail. But Big Tez is going to come and uh, whack DiBiase with a chair. So the face wins by nefarious means in this short match. Yep. Mania is Hogan. That That's literally... This is an entire three-hour journey to get to the point that Hulk Hogan is the most important thing in the history of wrestling. So I knew the storyline, but I hadn't actually watched the match. And then watched it and then saw, obviously, the chair shot by Hogan to DiBiase. And then you're kind of waiting for the bell. You're waiting for the... oh. Okay, well, that's not allowed. No, we're just carrying. Oh, we're carrying on. We're carrying on, and fine. So it would have been such more interesting story if he'd screwed Savage over by hitting him with the chair. Yeah, it would have. But Savage so then goes on to carry the belt for an a year, an hour, three hundred and seventy-one days. So he carries the belt for a year. And I was thinking, oh, they'd never do that these days. But then AJ Styles literally just did that. Yep, yep. <laughs> which is good. Uh, Triple H is of the old school NWA Ric Flair theory that the longer you hold the title, the more it means when someone wins it, which I'm of the same. Well, you should have the the best form of a title reign is someone who has it, wins it as a baby face, it begins to turn heel. So you get more or less like two parts of their reign and then loses it to the next hot young thing, baby face. It is so, good, but AJ Styles' reign, I think, will go down as relatively unremarkable. Because the big thing, the thing is, no one cares about that title anymore. Yeah. Everyone cares about the universal title because it's elsewhere. And everyone was desperate for it to go on Joe and <clears throat> didn't get it. Is it is it also a concession here to the fact that it, he wins it in such an unsatisfactory way that they keep it on him for that long to kind of build up his um, credibility as a champion? Kind of. I also think it's because this is this is the beginning of the end of Hulk Hogan as a as a regular. He starts doing basically part time because he's he's gonna do his films, he's gonna do his no holds barred, and Savage is your best actor, he's your best babyface, and he's your best scripter. And Savage, he goes on to feud with DBRC, he goes on to feud with a lot of people in that year, and most of those matches are really good because Savage doesn't have a bad match up and you know you have to go until late nineties WCW for Randy Savage to start having bad matches. The guy's boring in times and very pronounced in his wrestling vocabulary but when he wants to tell you a story it's a good story we touched on the quarterfinal hulk hogan versus andre the giant a rematch from the main event a year prior what struck me here um axel is that hogan looks older at this point than he does today so what work exactly has he had done oh now that's yeah that's interesting carl's pointing to his to his chin um i've like lots to be brutally honest and i don't know what's in his vitamins but it's it's done him well, isn't it? So, I mean... I'm right, though, aren't I? He looks like a 60-year-old bloke at this time. Yeah, he All does. of a sudden, he looks loads younger. He does, later. but I mean, believe me, going bald does that to you. So, <laughs> um, it's, ve- it's very odd, isn't it? Because when I was a kid, this is a little bit too young for me, but when I was a kid, I never understood the appeal behind Hogan because of his look. And I think that's probably the most profound thought I ever had as a child, and I was right. 
because <laughs> he doesn't look like the main event guy. He's this guy with bleach blonde hair and bald head and a bandana and handlebar moustache that... Come on, listeners are on the edge of their seats waiting for an Anton's analogy as to what Hulk Hogan looked like. No, no, no. no. He, well, you don't need to. You don't need to poke fun at Hulk Hogan. Just look at him. If you saw someone walking down the road as Hulk Hogan, you would, you know, you think, is he okay? You know, or, 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 is, or is he, you know, is he... On a register. Yeah, there you go. See? He looks like a what? But the thing about Hogan is... You know the whole the immortal Hulk Hogan. That look that he's got has been the same for forty years. That's actually really clever branding, and I'm kind of a bit loath to give Hogan that amount of credit for that amount of foresight. But he's never had to change his look. No. Spam's had the same branding since what? Since what? The forties, fifties. That could also That's not clever, is it? So yeah, yeah, he's more charismatic than some of the headliners. Um, Carl, you get to before we get to the match, you get to talk about the promo that he cuts referencing Donald Trump. Tell, tell us, I mean, wow, was my reaction to this? He talks about uh, a seismic reaction when he when he takes on Andre that he's going to slam him again, and when it does, it's going to cause a great crash in Trump Towers, and that Donald Trump is is going to be caught adrift in the ocean, and he's going to need to save his wife and his family. Lol. Donald Trump doesn't care about anyone other than himself. Um, and he's going to be doggy paddling. His wife and his family is going to be doggy paddling. He goes, and when you run out of energy, you can just hop, grab onto the biggest back in the universe, brother. And I'll doggy paddle and backstroke you to, to safety. And then he flexes and then he backstrokes his way out of camera shot, which I, I have to do it every time I think about it because it's a really cool way to end, like exit shot. It's a really weird, rambling, nonsensical oh, promo that just had a wonderful final five seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now I cannot see Hulk Hogan without thinking, when's he going to flex and backstroke away? Because I want him to backstroke off. <laughs> Gary, the match wasn't up to much, was it? Hogan slammed uh, Andre after the double DQ. They both use a chair on one another. As we mentioned, he's off to film No Holds Barred. It's basically... The match is a vehicle for him to pose for ages at the end. Yeah, the, the, this this match is a plot device essentially to for, for Hogan to do some Hogan things and to set up what happens in the main event. So, yeah, it's not really worth talking about, is it? Was it five minutes? Yeah. It, it, did they do that kind of to not, in a strange way, not affect the legacy of the match the previous year? So it's a forgettable encounter between the two, rather than oh, the follow-up wasn't as good as epic as the one we're going to talk about next time. Well, it's part three. Which is, so you mentioned it's the rematch, it's not, it's, it's part three. So they have, they have Mania 3, then they have a match on Saturday Night Main Event, which is finished in screwy circumstances, which is why we have this tournament. And they have this, which very often part threes are either Hulk Hogan wins, because Hulk Hogan always wins. So it, it's oddly nice of Hulk Hogan to have their feud end in one win, one loss, one draw. But then the end of WrestleMania is Hulk Hogan standing yeah. tall. So oh, no, This match is just a vehicle for... For Hogan to do his preening and posing like a lubed up twat, isn't he? I'm not, I'm not sorry, that's an insult to vaginas. But like that, that's the real reason. So he could have his little his little sort of preening moment and the fans could, you know, oh, coo and... Oh, yeah, Something that st- stands out a lot in WrestleMania 4 and 5 is that when Hogan hot dogs, he starts doing air guitar because he, he's clearly really into his theme music at this point in time. So he's really going, yeah, like... Ah, uh, yeah, and like, then he goes. Oh wait, I meant like, to flex. Like, yeah, yeah, like a guy that jacks off in front of a mirror, Which basically. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, once again, this show is brought to you in association <laughs> with Beer Fifty Two. It's Beer Fifty Two dot com slash Parts Unknown. Enter the offer code Parts Unknown. Uh, the show kicked off with a battle royal. Bad News Brown won. 
Curry was attacked afterwards by heel Bret Hart. Heel I was thinking Bret of you at this Hart, point. Smashing at the trophy. Yes, yeah, this was a really odd battle royal. So you've got a massive tournament that makes no sense. You're going to preface it with a battle royal that also makes no sense. Yeah, I thought it was a lovely way to kick things off. Well, but heel Bret Hart. Yeah, you, you like him, do you? I didn't know if you'd like it or hate it. Oh, I just love Bret Hart. Okay, so whatever he's whatever doing is he does, okay with yeah, you. I'll find some kind of justification for it. I was confused though. Was he a heel by smashing the trophy, or did that turn him face? No, smashing the trophy made him heel. Because no one liked Bad News <laughs> Brown, so but the fact the news- fact that he was destroying Bad News Bra- Brown Brown's win and the like. The crowd liked it. It kind of felt he like he was like a sore of, loser. I think was the idea, it, wasn't it? For me, it kind of felt like the bad guy doing something that the crowd still likes, and that sort of way that we expect in 2018. Okay. But actually, back then, was no. I, I was assuming that it was the sore loser thing, but also coming at it with the knowledge that Brett and Bad News Brown were actually old friends from Stampede. They worked together uh, for ages. Okay, there. I missed that. So there you go. But that's because I'm a heart family obsessive. <laughs> so perhaps not everyone knew that. Um, Seeker was in this. Everyone know who Seeker is and, and how he relates to a current roster member? It's Roman Reigns' dad, is it not? Certainly is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Carl, Something that also made me happy. Junk your dog! Junk your dog's here! Hooray! Yeah, I, well, I, that made you happy. I'm going to ask you to try and justify the decision to put Harley Race in a yeah. battle royal. <laughs> um, He's old and needs... He can't do 10, 15 minutes, so... May as well give him a battle royale. Something that I've noticed in wrestling is WrestleMania 4 is a completely different wrestling style from WrestleMania 14. Battle royales in WrestleMania 4 are pretty much the same as battle royales nowadays. Wrestling goes forward. Battle royale, as in the actual wrestling in a battle royale, is still... I love how you got royale. Yeah, royale. Like the horrific yeah. <laughs> Japanese film set on an island where everybody dies. I was thinking royale with cheese as well, yeah. Gary. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the actual wrestling in the Battle Royale isn't that great. <laughs> um, but yeah, Junkyard Dog is there, and I love Junkyard Dog. Uh, <laughs> you if... guys are laughing at cheese, it's Matt Stryker all over. No, here. it's just Royale. It's just, a, it's just very sweet. The if, way I was allowed, it if I was allowed a tattoo, I'd get one of JYD. Wait, what? If I was allowed a no, tattoo... No, I heard, but what? I'd get one of JYD. You're an As adult, what? yeah, you're 20-odd. Why are you not allowed a tattoo now? <laughs> you haven't met my mum. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what Junkyard Dog image would you have on your body? JYD with the change around his neck. They'd probably get one on my arm. He's just cool. Get, just get a thumbprint on your yeah. ass. <laughs> JYD's like really cool. Yeah, I no, I'm I'm not he was alright, but <laughs> it was more the fact more the fact that you just have a tattoo of someone's face on your arm no, his is face, like a caricature of him like Hulking up, or about to do a Superman thing. Oh, please get one. In, in, I'll yeah. pay. Get one of JYD. I'll pay. Carrie, who would you have wrestler tattoo? I wouldn't have a tattoo. I'm frightened of tattoos. Not even like a heart to represent Bret Hart. No, I think that's a bit something that the Hart family would actually do. So no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'll have Brutus's shears. I think <laughs> all all over my back, Axel. <laughs> oh God. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd get the continent of Africa. Like Akeem on, on, on my back, <laughs> obviously. So. Uh, Ultimate Warrior versus Hercules. <laughs> We've sort of touched on this. It's a stinker of a match between two sort of steroid freaks. Hercules was with uh, Bobby Heenan, as pretty much every heel was at this point. Can anybody make a case that Bobby Heenan is not the best manager ever? I mean, I, I wasn't that familiar with his work until we started going back through this. And I just love the bloke. I think he's absolutely amazing. He's the best. How, how, also, I think Mr. Fuji's the most successful. 
Yeah. In terms of his, Mr. Fuji's family has won more gold than Bobby Heenan's won because Heenan was the heel, so he had to lose. Well, Heenan was after his first gold at WrestleMania Five, wasn't he, with Rick Rude? So it took him a while to get any any kind of sort of belt. Um, I think Heenan's interesting because the sheer number of people he had to manage diluted probably how great a manager he could be with everybody. He can't get everybody to the top. So, but yeah, he's he's wonderful. I mean, I'm not gonna you know you said guy said uh, WrestleMania Nine. He also made WrestleMania Nine just by being there on comms. Uh, he's he everything he touched just. Was what was well not everything because I'm sure you know there are objectionable things as well. Don't get me wrong, but he you know his presence and his creativity tended to make things better. Um, Heyman, I suppose, is the other one. Yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a myth, I think. Oh really? A- apart from Brock Lesnar and to an extent CM Punk, who's a good person that Paul Heyman's managed. Uh, Curtis Axel, so you know, <laughs> yeah. Cesaro. This is correct. Yeah, yeah. Heyman is. Heyman wish he was, he wishes he was Bobby Heenan good. But when you compare what Bobby Heenan did with Haku and took Haku to um, King of the Ring and, and basically made him look like a legitimate... this When this guy challenges for the big title, he might win it. You compare how Heyman took all of Cesaro's heat from winning the under the giant battle rounds when sizzle. Dangerous Alliance was good in WCW. Carrie, you got a, a, a preference for either as a manager? No, I think Heenan's wonderful. Um, I am quite fond of uh, the oeuvre of Paul Heyman, but mostly for the punk stuff. Yeah, and he's punk, great. Punk, he's punk great. didn't really need him, though. No, but he, he supplemented him, and he is one of the best promo guys ever, but I think Heenan, for like a breadth of work, yes. is, is, is probably Heyman, way better. Heyman would tell you that Heenan was better. Uh, yeah, and that's it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So aside from the title tournament matches, we also got Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a.k.a. Carl's Boy, beating the Honky Tonk Man by disqualification in the IC title match. My, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very much the anchor to Louis Darby, wasn't it? Uh, demolition beating I, Strike Force. I call it Shitstorm. But yeah. <laughs> Can we now, before we go, before we move on, um, Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart and Peggy Sue. Yes, Peggy Sue, a.k.a. Sensational Sherry. Mm, who apparently really enjoyed this part of her career. Because- Why? Uh, it it was like it was something that people didn't know was her so she could <laughs> because she had a wig on yeah yeah, yeah you could never spot it could disguise. you <laughs> that was that one man gang versus Bam Bam Bigelow uh, Bam Bam Bigelow producer Ben from Asbury Park of course which um, some of the more childish members of the team find amusing Anton tell us about one man gang's transformation to Akeem you've uh, alluded to it it was um, 
That's quite something. Yeah, so One Man Gang uh, was, well, basically uh, Slick said he had a new a new guy, effectively, uh, not long after this, actually, uh, and invited us to Deepest Darkest Africa. Well, I invited Gene Oakland to uh, Deepest Darkest Africa, uh, and to which we got the revelation that his new signing was Akeem the African Dream, who came out, uh, was One Man Gang, uh, dressed up in a what was perceived to be some kind of African dress, uh, as Carl alluded to last week, jiving and talking in a southern accent and a, in a black scent, I think was I've seen as it described. Uh, and um, whilst uh, lots of black people in sort of traditional, oh, say traditional, not traditional at all, sorry, in sort of tribal kind of uh, clothing, chanting and around a fire and this sort of deep stock Africa is basically just sort of a, a what is a set like a demolished sort of um, council block with lots of fires and that kind of thing and it's and it's just horrifically insensitive and they ran with this for three years and Akeem got a big push and then another with Big Boss Man and it was all very very odd and the one thing I've never understood about this obviously you know well Akeem's supposed to speak like someone from someone from the south but there's a huge black population in in the southern states of, of America. Sorry, I know like, recently, but I know, I know, but it's just weird that nobody would object to this. What, what about the actual match, Gary? You got anything to say on it? Bam, bam! Somebody you were going to come across in in later manias, but kind of a throwaway, forgettable as was the well, uh, as was this WrestleMania. It, yes, yeah. absolutely. No, nothing additional to say about that. At you all. can see why after after this feud, he went away to Japan and to WCW to hone his craft because you could there's like the beginnings the seeds of Bam Bam so Bam Bam's big thing is I'm huge but I can do moonsaults and cartwheels and whatnot and he, he does like two or three but they're not as crisp as they are even come. his headbutts look better than you know the sort of the stereotypical ones at the time and that kind of thing yeah you're right it's a bit too early for, for Bam Bam I love him um, but yeah I was surprised he was here what did you make of his manager Oliver Humperdinck's jacket it was a lot wasn't it mm, yeah yeah really really quite striking the last match we're going to talk about my revelation during this match was Gorilla Monsoon saying he was once four hundred and forty pounds and could wrestle for an hour whilst at that weight. That's huge. Did anyone else notice that we got Joey Morella as the ref in a lot of these matches? Who is, of course, Gorilla Monsoon's son, or was? He died in a car crash uh, tragically. The last match we're going to talk about. <laughs> Say again. I said, oh, goodness, that's a lot of death in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we're used to it by now. The last match we're going to talk about saw the Islanders, Haku and Tama, uh, with Bobby Heenan, defeat the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. The Bulldogs have Matilda, an actual bulldog, with them. Bobby Heenan, the consummate pros we've spoken about, had an attack dog suit on to prevent Matilda uh, from getting him. Carl, you're going to have to explain this. I couldn't watch it because my actual dog, Brian can't stand other dogs being on telly so he just went ballistic and I had to fast forward I couldn't watch any of this because of Matilda so what what happened um so yep three versus three British Bulldogs is Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kate who yep Carrie is pulling a face I am also wincing uh Dynamite Kid uh was known to be a fantastic ring hand uh, and like at the time was one of the best workhorse wrestlers of all time he was also terrible terrible human being um is essentially because he's not dead yet is is a terrible human he's, being. he's an angry guy who lives somewhere in the northwest and is um disabled to quite a large extent used yes. steroids for much of his life uh now wheelchair and essentially housebound yes um 
and was a massive, massive influence on Chris Benoit, as as well was a lot of wrestlers of that era, because he was a high flying small guy that that won through his body charisma, which was chemically enhanced. Um, he had some fantastic matches in Japan. Um, I'm loathe to, to talk too well about this man because he was awful behind the scenes in in the locker room. Did a lot of pranks, beat up a lot of people, and he was an awful husband and father as well. Um, the guy could go, so this match is is quite good quality. Um, the Islanders are really really good in this match, and Koko Beware is a lot of fun. Uh, Bobby Heenan in in his attack dog outfit is really great, and he's he's, he's a more than steady ring hand. Um, this is a good match. I would advise you to not watch it because, like, just try and avoid Dynamite Kid. Okay, Carrie, what mm. is that Dynamite Kid? The way Tom Billington, his name is, isn't it? Yeah. The way that Carl's just described him, is that the reason why him and Davy Boy aren't in the Hall of Fame? Because their in-ring career certainly would justify them being in it. Yeah, it's an odd one because obviously he's still around. If they wanted to do a big Hall of Fame thing, they could. But apparently Vince doesn't want people in i don't know if this is rumor and innuendo but he doesn't like the visual of people in wheelchairs coming out onto the stage all beaten up and stuff which you can imagine it's being okay true. to be dead obviously from wrestling but not to still be alive and just permanently disabled from it yeah yeah I, I, the thing is anything you say about vince i would completely believe it because it sounds ridiculous also, Diamond Kid doesn't deserve to be in the hall of fame davy boy yes i can accept because davy boy has a good singles career in WWE and has some big moments and, and isn't the repellent human being that Dynamite is. Does Davey Boy? Mm, yes. He's, he's got enough... He's, he's got the SummerSlam. He's got the SummerSlam 92. He almost became a uh, won the European Championship until Shawn Michaels decided, like, oh, I want a Grand Slam. But, but that SummerSlam match, if you believe Bret Hart, he was so wasted <laughs> yeah. on Crystal Meth that he had to be walked, walked all the way it. through it. Well, I think the thing about... Davy Boy, and I should reiterate again, we're talking about pretend Hall of Fame for yeah, pretend yeah, yeah. sport. Okay. Um, he's still recognisable now, even to people who never watched wrestling or to kids who were born after he was at his peak. So I've, I've got a lecture that I give about um, identity and nationalism in wrestling to my students. It's absolute lark on my course. Um, and I show a picture of David Boy Smith. And so these kids are, what, 18, 19? And they all recognise David Boy Smith, so that's the British Bulldog, because he's so instantly recognisable. So if we're going for a fake Hall of Fame for a fake sport, then yeah, he deserves a place. Yeah, but over here, not necessarily... In the, or, you know, he's an, an, another foreign face. If you showed a Japanese I remind girl, you at this yeah. point that Vince McMahon's limo driver is in the Hall of Fame, so <laughs> the bar is quite low. Pardon me? <laughs> Did you not know that? No. Yeah, he is. Paul Bearer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's just about that, really. I mean, we've, we've had our chat about the Dynamite Kid. The match was what it was. Has anybody else got, got anything to say on this? Is it, is it, is it worse than 9 and 2000? Is it up there with the, with the stinkiest of all the WrestleManias? It might be. It's boring. It's, and it's, it's long. Dull. It's really long. I've just, I mean, midway through my notes, I've just written, this tournament is going on forever. And the matches are so short. I don't know why I thought that and why it felt like that, but it just... Because it just takes so long to get to the point where it actually means something. Got at a WrestleMania moment? Yes! When um, Ricky Steamboat, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, comes to the ring holding baby Richie. So those of you who watched um, FCW by nefarious means, kind of around 2010, 2011, 
Um, that's Richie Steamboat, who res- wrestled there, and he had to retire very young um, with a with a back injury, I believe. So Ricky Steamboat was holding him in the way that he Faze. couldn't hold the Undertaker in that spot when he was the cameraman. Yeah, okay, that's mean. <laughs> Carl, have you got a WrestleMania moment? It's got to be Andre the Giant choking out Bob Uecker. That's in the. That's probably in the top five iconic WrestleMania images, is it not? It's top. 34. It's in, it, it's in, it, it's in every WrestleMania package. Yes. You will see that guy who we still, presumably something to do with baseball, but we don't really know. <laughs> Him getting choked out is in every WrestleMania montage they will ever make. When Andre was inducted um, in the Hall of Fame, it did. Bob Uecker was there to go. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the most famous, world, world-renowned thing I'm known for. The guy got choked out by the giant. Um, and also, it's a really good promo on the Giant Cuts as well. He's he's really great with his like he's really toothy, and he kind of looks like a shark sometimes when he's really happy, and he's just like, "Yeah, Andre." <laughs> Axel, uh, it was the momentary bit of hope I had when Hercules grabs his chain and puts it around Warrior's throat, and like, <gasps> and then Warrior turns it around and swears the chain. But there's a little moment there thinking, "Yes, yes, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it." No. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going to go for anything Bobby Heenan related. Uh, at Carrie Sparkle, what's your Twitter handle? At Carrie Sparkle. I oh, know, yeah. Carl? Anchorman616. Anton? At Sky Anton. We are at the PE Podcast. I am at Matt Davis Adams. Next week is the big one, still probably the most iconic WrestleMania moment of all time. From the Pontiac Silverdome, Hogan versus Andre, 93,000 watching on. We also get the classic Savage Steamboat match and someone called Little Beaver. Stop it. Until then, I've been Matt Davis Adams. You've been in parts unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.